Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I decided to change my mentality to think, I don't want to even try to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I just want to commit to always being in progress. That changed everything for me. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode's special guest is actress and activist Sophia Bush. Now, if you know me personally, you know that I've been a fan of Sophia's humanity for a long time, so it was so beautiful to connect with her in this way. Sophia and I talk human to human about the highs and lows of friendship, getting rid of perfectionism in ourselves, and the importance of showing up for one another's humanity, even and especially at the risk of self. Before each episode, I give a few recommendations inspired by the conversation that you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist, a book to check out, and a reflection question that is inspired by the episode. So here goes. This episode's song to put on repeat is Next to Me by Imagine Dragons. This week's read is Tribes by Seth Gooden. And after you listen, reflect on this question. How do you show up for your friends when you are in a hard place in your life? I love this question because it's not just about having the right people in our lives. It's also about being the right person for others. As always, leave your thoughts in the comments or at humanhumanseries.com. Now, let's get into my conversation with Sophia. My thing that I really, really adore about you is your willingness to recognize all of humanity, right? Like in yourself and in others, in your, in your things that you're willing to recognize I was wrong, which means you're also willing to give grace when somebody else is wrong. Mm-hmm. One thing that you said one year ago, which you weren't there in the car with me, but baby girl, I was crying. I'm hearing you on a podcast and you talked about how long it took and takes to own your opinion. Mm-hmm. I could have swore you in there, give me a hug because I had just turned 30 and there is such a thing. We're, we're raised in middle school. I mean, if I wasn't doing this, I would be figuring out how to get this in schools because it is so important for us to not be sold the lie that you have to know it all at a certain age, at a certain time, Mm -hmm. at a certain place, with a certain degree. All of these things are very untrue, right? Mm -hmm. And as we're all continuing to master our humanity, a big part of that is owning your opinion, which we never get the grace to do. Mm -hmm. And in the pandemic was one of the, I've never cried so much because there were so many opinions happening at once. And I was very, I felt very strong in my opinion, right? It was very important to have one until I had never seen a rush of so many. And it was even before that, but I think that was the first time we're all at home, right? So we're witnessing everything at the same time. And there's so many thoughts and so many feelings. And you're sitting there very debilitated, very off guard at the fact that you're now expected to speak up depending on what your platform is. Not that everyone had to, but some chose to and some didn't. Um, I was very specific and choosing to step back like from as much as I could I'd never seen myself react like that I was like I think we're gonna nope we're gonna wrap I think I'm good I don't need to have whatever platform Mm -hmm. it is I'm building I hope that my audience cares enough to know I'm out Mm -hmm. because I gotta go take care of what's in here and what's in here Mm -hmm. which I'm pointing to my head and my heart right and so I heard you say that on the podcast and I was like that's my girl like I reacted so it was just such it was this like woman and woman hug, but also just human to human hug. I was like, wow, she gets it. Because again, we don't talk about how hard it is to own whatever it is your experience is because we're so busy being taught 
to look at each other. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, go ahead. Mm, that's so kind. Thank you. I, I think that's something that's so important and, and you hit the nail on the head. This idea that we're just supposed to have it. And yeah. that once we quote unquote have it, it never changes. And I don't understand that. I, I think that one of the great privileges of being alive is being able to learn. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we freak out when people are learning. Yeah. You know, I, I even think about the pandemic and, and in the beginning, you know, it's a novel virus. We didn't know how it was spreading. So they said, sanitize everything. And no, you don't need to worry about wearing masks, but make, you know, wear gloves out in public. And then they were like, whoop, well, actually it's aerosol. So do wear masks. The gloves are less important. And there were yeah. people who freaked out about it. And, I, and I'm like, don't, don't you want them to tell you what they know when they know it? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the mm-hmm. point? Mm. Like it's, it's such an interesting thing. And, and for some reason, I think if you look at it in terms of science, right, it's a little easier to then imagine how we could do that for ourselves. You know, how we can learn about our reactions, our triggers, um, how we can give ourselves the permission to adjust our opinions as we learn more information. Yeah, yeah. It, it really matters that we have that permission. And you said that word, which has become the most important word to me in the last few years, grace. Mm-hmm. I, I used to be so hard on myself if I wasn't perfect. And the irony of perfectionism is that it means you always feel like a failure because there's no such thing as perfect. Isn't that I the trip? Like, <laughs> oh, it is such it's a like- horrible joke. It's really, I'm literally me and God, we talk about, I'm like, so the big, the big joke that you were playing is that I'm done. Like it's here. This is it. And I I have this theory that God is saying that when we all realize that like you look to your left and you look to your right and like, wow, you're my brother, you're my sister. And we're all here for love. Then it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be like, and scene. Thank you for playing life. Like I'm very, that's what I think we're doing here because perfection, Mm -hmm. what a, the most perfect disease I've ever I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so horrible. And I think especially for women mm-hmm. in the way that we get cultured by society, it, it gives you such a complex and, and men have their own versions and, and all, yeah. all folks out there, regardless of how they identify, have yeah. experiences of feeling less than. But when I decided to change my mentality to think, I don't want to even try to be perfect I just mm-hmm. want to commit to always being in progress. That changed everything for me Girl, because I get yeah. to learn every day. I get to show up every day. I get to try to be kinder to myself every day. When I see something going on in the world, an injustice or something horrible happens and I'm furious about it, mm-hmm. it gives me that ounce of space, that inch of room to say, I wonder what the perpetrator of that injustice was experiencing. How were they raised? Who didn't love them? What weren't they given that you and I have? What what lessons do they need to learn? And it doesn't excuse harm. What it does is allow us to call people in instead of just calling them out. Yeah. And if you if you call out without calling in, you're just like you're just leaving people out there. Well, and you're just kind of another complainer on the internet. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't Ugh. mean that what you're complaining about 
doesn't deserve to be complained about, it means, Mm -hmm. well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. How are you Mm going to offer knowledge or kindness or an education or um, another teacher to people? Another, And and that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's also what made cancel culture really uncomfortable during such a really tragic time. It was, Mm. was, I couldn't find the words because again, there was, it was such a time where you say the wrong thing. And if you looked a certain way, act a certain way, we're a part of a certain community, you should agree with a certain point of view, which was so difficult for me because as a human being, I was Mm. like, I think we're losing a lot of what's going on here, guys. Like we're losing Mm -hmm. this you know, we've, we've picked up the mantle of expert, right? Somebody's an expert. So this is what we've mm-hmm. got to be doing and we should be following the expert. And, and there's, my favorite word became nuance in the past four months. Mm-hmm. It's, the mo- it's the sexiest word I think I've ever heard now because I I'm like, whoa, it. look at that, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at the intricate details that it takes for us to be here. I love that your mind went to how were they raised? We forgot that, mm-hmm. right? We meet someone in their 50s mm-hmm. and their 60s and their 70s and we forgot that they were a child and there's something that happened at 12 that is that still permeates. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a difficult thing, but I believe conversations like this continue to open us up. And so it's something that I just, I find very healing about who you are as a person and very healing about what I believe you're doing on this planet. And I, I really adore that about you. And I adore that. I, I think that we did come to a better place from the past 12 months in it. We've got a lot of work to do, but I don't think we mm-hmm. were willing to see each other before that, like we have. And I hope that that's still mm-hmm. true for us. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think those of us who've been on the sensitive train for a really long time, girl, <laughs> girl, suddenly all these people are like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know about this. And I'm like, yeah, cause I've just been getting like punched in the heart for 20 years. So welcome. Let's talk about feelings. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> oh my God, girl, the amount of like Okay, that brings me to a question because we could go jokes on the sensitive all day. And I just appreciate that. I was like, Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. This is my soul sister. I just felt that. Um, what is something you were clapped for as a kid that you let go of? whether it's recently in the past five years, one year, something that you know you were clapped for and you're like, this I'm letting go of. Oh man. That's so hard. You know, it's really interesting because it's more the the essence of a thing. So we all get praised when we succeed, right? And when you have the perfectionism disease, you're internally miserable all the time, regardless of how you look on the outside. And that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you don't feel joy. That doesn't mean you don't have good days, but it means you just constantly feel like you are not enough. And I think what exacerbated that for me was the projection that was always layered over me in, in 2D. And what I mean by that, I think it's like easy to talk about now, right? Like your phone, like when we look at the screen, like this is 2D, what we see on Instagram, what we watch, you know, on TV, it's flat. It's not a whole person. It's not everything someone is. And, you know, the era of the early aughts, especially for young women in entertainment, I mean, come on. We were just, it was so brutal. 
you know, the pinnacle of that brutality is, is all the, all of the things that happened to Britney Spears, everything that we're, mm-hmm. you know, learning about right now. But that, that was our era, you know, that's when we all kind of got famous. And I wanted so badly, the thing that hurts me the most is when people are misrepresented or minimized. And to feel so misrepresented and so minimized was so hard for me. And I thought, I can, I can, I can prove them wrong. I can let people mm-hmm. know enough about me. I can show up enough. I can do enough. I can, you know, and it was everywhere. It was like, how much more can I be uh, revealing about in an interview? Or how many people can I please in a day? And, and every time there's a crowd outside of the set, I'll skip lunch and I'll go shake hands and take photos and kiss babies and do that. I want everyone, yeah. I want people to know me. And eventually I realized that that was really toxic. Not that it's not nice to meet a lovely fan or um, be frank in conversation. I feel like it's pretty clear we're pretty frank today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the, the idea that you could give enough, that you could be wholly seen by millions of people, it's not possible. You run out. And, and so the thing I have tried to leave behind is that I have to prove who I am to people. No, I don't. If you care to know, you'll come to the space I invite you into. And if you don't, that's okay because there are great people here already. And releasing that, trying to make my two-dimensional self wholly three-dimensional for everyone who interacts with me through a screen, I'll never make it. That's perfectionism. I'll always fail at it. So I had to let it go. Thank you for sharing that. I think being in the business of technically being liked, right? Like the business is being liked. And that is a tragic, it's such an interesting, because you're like, oh, okay. So if they like me, is that when I get booked? And does that mean I got to keep being liked? And what does that mean? Am I ever me or am I somebody else's me? It's, it's such, and it's everywhere for, and you know, yes, we're Mm -hmm. speaking about entertainment, but there's tech, there's everywhere. Every industry has a bit of that. And you brought it up as a woman, there's just this extra layer to it. And it's really something that, you know, my girlfriends and I are having several different conversations about it, right? Because again, Mm. you leave a, a, you, we left a year of, I believe everyone had a new level of sacred rage. Shout out to my Mm -hmm. girl, Glennon Doyle, love her to death. It's my favorite Um, term. Favorite. I was like, chess with you. Um, Untamed changed my life. So we'll move on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I believe we all had that. And if you are experiencing your life where you decided like, okay, I'm going to start standing up. I'm going to start saying what I believe. I'm going to start being here. And then we walk outside again and we're like, oh, now how do people, how are people going to receive my new level of owning? Right. Mm -hmm. And I would wonder for you, how did that affect your relationships? When you start specifically friendships, right? We don't, we don't Mm -hmm. talk about in in middle school or high school that not every friendship will Mm -hmm. last. We don't talk Mm -hmm. about that every end does not mean it's a negative thing. Every beginning doesn't mean it's, you know, there's so many new, again, nuances to friendships, but I believe when the stronger we get in our opinions and things we let go from childhood, they shape us into a new being. And how does that affect your friendships? Do you feel like you have to reintroduce yourself sometimes? How do you reintroduce your new operating system at, at, at times? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think as we find ourselves more authentically and more deeply Mm -hmm. we also find people who match us there who meet us there and you know
know, I, I have three girls in my life from my middle school and high school experience who I love to death. And everyone else who back then I considered to be my group of best friends, they're not in my life anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And, and there was a time where that would have crushed me. And it's not that that wasn't sad, that sort of growing apart, but what I had to do was honor myself. And I remember making this effort where I felt like I was just bending over backwards and I didn't know where all this tension was coming from. And I was living in a different state and I would fly home on the weekends to see my friends and things were just getting weird. Mm. And I, I'll never forget. I asked one of my you know, best friends from high school. I was like, what is going on? Like, you have to clue me in here because I don't live here anymore. I'm not around every day. I don't know what's happening. And I will never forget it. We came up doing theater together. And she looked at me and she said, it's just really hard to watch you get everything I ever wanted. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh, you can't be happy for me. And all I've ever been was happy for you. Mm -hmm. And I realized I no longer have someone who meets me where I am. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. But what's harder is to be in a friendship where you are mistreated because someone resents you. And I think it was in unpacking all of that where I realized, oh, right, this is the ethos of reason, season, lifetime. And I think that's easier for us to, to understand in our romantic relationships because mm-hmm. obviously, duh, <laughs> every relationship before the one that lasts doesn't. Right. You, know, you figure it out. You give it a try. You realize like we were way better friends. We shouldn't be in a relationship, whatever it is. Like who cares? That's the point. We're, we're accustomed to that. Sure. Being the, um, you know, the pattern to get you to your person. Mm-hmm. Should you want a person, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, no one talks to us about that in friendships. And sometimes you have a friend who you meet and you hit it off with who, totally betrays you and you go yep you were a lesson that was a reason that taught me something sometimes you have friends in your life for seasons and like I I have had some seasons with people that have been great but I also have given myself permission as I've gotten older and wiser to be really clear on when I know it's a season and not a lifetime and I have some lifetimes that I am deeply grateful for. Yeah. Not everybody has to be that. And yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It's mm. it's such a practice to be to honestly be happy for your friend when when you're down. And mm-hmm. if you don't have either healthy examples or if you just don't feel secure in yourself, which is normal, right? It's things that we all experience, but mm-hmm. I love that you asked that friend, what's going on because this isn't feeling like us. Have you always mm-hmm. been It's kind of an unfair question, but how do you practice being happy for your friends when you're down? Oh, it's funny. I thought you were going to say, have you always been good at like getting into the, and I was like, oh no, I'm very conflict diverse, conflict. (laughs) Um, So that's a practice for me to, you know, to um, ask what feel like they might be uncomfortable questions. Of course. But it's not hard for me to be happy for my friends. Mm. It's really not like I want them to shine. I 
my favorite thing to do is to take a friend with me to an event or into a room where there are really amazing people. And when those people say, oh my gosh, thank you for coming. And you know, we wanted to tell you about this. I have the privilege of saying, I know you think we're supposed to talk about this thing I'm doing, but I, we're really here so you can meet my friend. I need you to know about my friend's book. I need you to know about my friend's story. I want, right. I want you to know this person. Mm -hmm. And that for me, like my God, do I love being a Trojan horse. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. For the goodness of the people that I love. Sure, sure. That is one of the joys of my life. I think when there is ever a moment, and it, I, I just think naturally it happens less as we age, but I think if there's ever a moment where I, where I have a little feeling of like something that's a little like, like a little sticky, mm -hmm. I, I know myself well enough to say, okay, what am, where am I feeling inadequate? Where do, where do I feel like I haven't done a thing I want to do yet? Mm -hmm. That seeing this person do their thing is making me feel a little funny. Right. Because it's never about the other person. Right. It just isn't. I mean, unless the other person is like, you know, some horrible, like, I don't know if it was like some you know, guy from like 8chan running a QAnon website, then like, yeah, I, I absolutely don't like that person. <laughs> but, you know, when you're having a moment with a friend, usually it's because it's pushing one of your own buttons. Of course, of course. Or, or maybe you're watching a friend, you know, not treat themselves as well as you know they deserve to be treated, mm -hmm. which can be hard to witness. But then you have to figure out how to show up for that person and say, I love you so much that I don't like watching you do this. Yeah. And that, that is, that is such an act of love because the reaction to something like that, whether it's us for someone else or someone to us is not always comfortable. No, no, it's not. And it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of love to be willing to not only give, but receive that. So you've taught, mm -hmm. I, you, I feel like you're very open about your self-awareness journey and just what the different nuances of that is. Has there been something you've learned about yourself that's really surprised you over the past maybe two years? Mm. Yeah, I, I think for me learning how kind of vicious my self-critical voice is mm. has been really eye-opening because for me I just assumed that everyone felt that way in their own head yeah and when I when I have been really open with the people I trust and love the most about you know the way that that voice speaks to me their alarm has really been surprising I'm like oh it's not you don't feel this one of my, one of my best guy friends who's you know we, we always joke that we're like soul siblings and, and, you know, we love to just ponder the universe together. He's like, no, my brain does not do that at all. <laughs> so like, oh, well, that's, wow. Okay, that's pretty weird. Um, and so it's interesting because I think sometimes when you can be open with the people who know and love you, they can help you undo your story. Because mm. listen, the brain, I think the, the real cherry on this Sunday is, 
is that our brain will find evidence for whatever story it wants to tell. You can find the evidence anywhere for mm -hmm. any story. Mm -hmm. So if it's a real shit story, you'll find the evidence. And if mm -hmm. it is a joyful, abundant, loving story, you will find the evidence. So we have to train our brains in what to look for. Yeah. And that, that is a practice and that takes effort. And sometimes it is exhausting. Girl, it's, it's like, ma'am, because to be honest, sometimes we're so busy being the work in progress and just constantly like, mm -hmm. I got to work on myself. I got to work more, and, and not enjoying and basking who we currently are, which you have beautifully talked about being the masterpiece at the same time, which again, I'm like, mm -hmm. new wants, talk about it. Like, it's just, it's really what connects mm -hmm. us. And I, I wish we were so much more willing to give ourselves that because then mm -hmm. You watch how we give permission to everybody. You watch how we see people and our, our, our minds, and our love goes so further because that's deeply how much we care and love about ourselves. And I've been preaching that to myself for enough time where I'm like, I get it now. And, and again, you never get it once. You have to re-get it because that's part of the, oh the life. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you realize it's a loop, not yeah. a ladder? Oh. Again. The comedy. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I have to relearn this stupid lesson every year to be a human. Oh, this, is, this is a cruel joke. But you know, but yeah. Also, like, it, it's kind of a gift because yeah. it really does. It requires practice. Mm -hmm. Presence requires practice and empathy requires practice. And to your point, the more we practice, the more quickly we learn. Yeah. Yeah. It's what is something that you've had to relearn in your human experience a couple of times? Oh man. Um, I'm still relearning this. I have a really hard time with self-care. Okay. I don't make space for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that's so funny is when I talk about that, that sort of terrible, you know, inner dialogue, people are always so surprised. They say, but you're so confident, you know, you, you host a podcast and, and you're a political activist and you testified before. Congress. Those aren't the same. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. But that's for us. Right. It's not for me. It's for right. us. Doing fill in the blank for us is so easy for me. It is my mm -hmm. favorite thing to do. It's all mm -hmm. I think about. Mm -hmm. Having to bring it back to me is really, really hard. So I put my health on the back burner I put my physical activity on the back burner. I am terrible at prioritizing sleep. Like all the things I know I'm supposed to do. I have read the books. <laughs> I have hired the trainers. I've done it. And, and I'm just like, well, I fell off that wagon again. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, trying to learn any kind of practice of self-care is sure. still Sure. that that's not like an annual loop for me or like a decade loop it's like a weekly loop I'm like whoop I'm back at the beginning again shit I gotta start over yeah it's so hard yeah I, I, I want people to tell me how they do it how they manage their time I'm like can I just get a peek at your google calendar like how do you schedule your day I don't get it I, I mean, I feel you. I, I feel like you're just saying like your operational side isn't as tough as your creative side, which I wholeheartedly agree. And, and they're with you. And honestly, the self-care 
mission is tough, but I realize in order for Sophia, in order for Stacy to contribute to this world in the way mm-hmm. that the gifts have been given. I mean, I take, I, I see how beautifully you take your responsibility. I also sit next to you and hear that and feel you. And um, mm-hmm. I'm in that same thing. And it's like, but if we don't, and that I, I can tell you, you have really good friends, by the way, because I feel like your friends are like, we're going on a hike. We're going, you're going to bed. Hang up. Like I can tell, you know, and I have great friends like that too, who just remind you to like, this doesn't, this doesn't work without this, right? Like the outside thing doesn't work. Um, and so that is something that I've just noticed. And although it is a hard practice, I'm just telling you as a person who is here with you, Every time you try, we're here with you. Just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Like it's never something that you're gonna memorize or or only do once or whatever. Because, you know, mm-hmm. self care also became one of those things that became um, another trend. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna make self care a trend, guys. Let's not do that. This is actually important. This is like real. Let's break down the barriers of what it actually. Yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. definitely. You know. Yeah, it's funny. There's things. There's words that like they become so buzzy that they almost get ruined. But they're so important. Right. Like self-care. Like yeah. Authentic. I only want to spend time around authentic people. Right. And now people are like, it's so authentic. And I'm like, please stop saying that word. <laughs> <laughs> cliches are cliches for a reason. Ugh, yes. I would say that. true. It drives me yeah. crazy. Girl, me too. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I know. I literally say it all the time. I'm like a cliche is only a cliche because it's very true. Right. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. But I, um, I really think you're right to, to take it to reclaim things that are deeply important yes, and take them out of the trend bucket yes. and put them back in the requirement bucket. There has to be a requirement for self-care so there can be community care. There mm-hmm. should be a requirement for mm-hmm. authenticity and honesty mm-hmm. in communication. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know, news, these things, these things should matter. And the only yeah. way that they will matter in the way they should. The only way we can set standards is if we take them seriously. Yeah. What's the last thing you forgave yourself for for the first time? Ooh. Um, I forgave myself for... Hmm. So the, the word is less, less the thing, but I, I... When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I forgave myself for silence, even though the the issue I'm referring to, I was not actually silent about. But I did that thing where I said, well, maybe I should have been louder about this. Or maybe in addition to going to these five people to tell them what was happening, I should have gone to these other five people. I... I, I wondered for so long what more I should have done mm. uh, so that I would be protected in a situation or advocated for or supported. And what I realized is that all it should have taken is one. Yeah. All it should have taken was yeah. one superior to report to right. for it to stop. 
all it should have taken was the first reporting. It shouldn't have taken four more instances. It shouldn't have taken, you know? And I, I had to forgive myself for not doing as much as like the negative voice in my head said I, I should have. Um, and I had to realize that the issues, the, the actual issue was about not being supported and not being advocated for in a very dangerous situation. And that honestly, that was something I didn't realize I was carrying um, shame for. Cause I think when women go through yeah, um, abuse in relationships, in the workplace, wherever it happens, we get taught that we did something wrong. Of it's what were you wearing and were you drinking and all the bullshit that gets put on us when it's not about us, we're not the perpetrators of it. And, and when I realized that I carried some of that, you know, the way that society will culture us into shame, I carried that a modicum of that shame, releasing that was really important because I didn't realize that not admitting that to myself made it stay alive in me. Mm -hmm. You have to free yourself from every piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's so, it is a weird, isn't, isn't really the depth of the word, but it's such a funny thing when we experience things, whether it's women or um, a person of color or, or anyone in a, um, you know, in a situation that something happened to them and then the amount of shame that they carry, which again, I think shame is a really, really big part of our human experience that actually connects us. And if we were willing to talk about it, express it, really mm -hmm. let it be the thing that connects us. Instead, it's unfortunately the thing that makes us hide from each other. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, no, go ahead. And, the, and I think something that's so important, you know, when you talk about that, something that we similarly experience in our communities because yeah. racism and sexism are these horrible intertwined, like evil bedfellows, right? Mm -hmm. And so often, when someone experiences one of those things or both, you mm -hmm. know, you run the risk being the woman you are in the world of experiencing both racism and sexism. And at times, you know, intersectionally, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Simultaneously. Um, yeah. And, and the thing that I think gives us so much shame is the way that we, as women, that, that you as a person of color, constantly gaslit when we tell someone what's happened to us Ooh. and that can make you feel crazy people tell you no you misread the situation it was just a compliment you know he's really a good guy she didn't mean that you don't and they tell us that our experience isn't real yeah and, and when you hear it enough you begin to wonder may am i crazy mm -hmm. is it me mm -hmm. what it, what is, what does this all mean? Mm -hmm. And I think to have the, um, the wherewithal and the self-awareness to know better and to refuse to deny yourself your own experience mm -hmm. takes practice. And that's a rough practice. It's really shitty to <laughs> have to be mistreated enough that you refuse to deny your own mistreatment. Like, yeah. <laughs> terrible thing to put people through exactly it's something that 
yeah, we just deal with in so many different sectors of this world. And I, I look at us and I'm like, hey guys, seeing as how we're all really dealing with it, shouldn't we kind of come in the center? Did y'all want to meet up and, and maybe we can, Yeah. I don't know, maybe we could solve it together. But, maybe, maybe we could just have a different operating procedure and not yeah. put people through, through this, this version of, yeah. This doesn't work for like everyone. Everyone, it doesn't work. Mm. Liberation, mm-hmm. either for all or none. That's why it was said, but you know, yes. hey, here we are. So it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, no, go ahead. And I was just going to say, the interesting thing is, and you know, we've spoken about some serious things today, but also I think some like deliciously vulnerable lovely things and and what i think is so interesting is that sometimes people want to avoid talking about what feels you know quote unquote hard but on the other side of the conversation is liberation and liberation is joy very liberation is community uplift it is like a deep breath and a belly laugh and a huge smile it's freedom Mm. and like is that what we all want and deserve don't we all just want to feel our most reclaimed, our most joyful, our yeah. most free? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I hope that not only do we want to, but we give ourselves the permission to find what that is over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Because to be honest, we've all been caught up in the same systems. We've all been affected by the same BS. And if we are not willing to confront that because of our love for this place that we all share, specifically, I'm just talking in the Western world, um, Mm. we are willing to break things down together if we are also willing to say Mm. like, this might not be the best it has to offer just because I have a certain level of best. That doesn't mean it's every, you know, there's such a, there's such a, I think it's a, I don't know if it's an eye-opening thing. I think everyone's lived experience can really bring you there. But I would say that Mm. last year, I would hope really open for every single person because we were all sitting in our homes having to see everything at one time to find out that this doesn't work for everybody you know revolution is freedom it's safety it's security i mean even you know this week when you and i are speaking the child tax credit is going into practice 50 percent of american families living in poverty will be lifted out of it because we will finally be supporting Mm -hmm. our own people. Mm -hmm. And, you Mm -hmm. know, when I think about it, if, if you and I invested in a company and the company was doing well, we'd get a return Mm -hmm. as, as, as Americans, as the people who live in this country, you know, even the folks who live here, you know, from other countries working on visas, like we pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is us investing and we should be supported by the bounty of the place that we invest in, the place that belongs to all of us. Yeah. And so I'm really thrilled to see, you know, policy that is rooted in love and community betterment going into yeah. action. Yeah. And the funny thing is, when you think about it, whether it's this policy or so many others, when we talk about justice, when we talk about equity, when we talk about erasing the gender pay gap, when we talk about um, removing the barriers to entry into certain spaces for people of color, every single time that those things are studied and modeled, we learn how much better we'd all be doing if we mm-hmm. created equity. Mm-hmm. Like the child tax credit, everyone on you know the other side who didn't vote for it, it's like, well, how are we going to pay for it? And for every dollar we invest in families, $8 comes back into the economy. 
So it's like, well, mm. the cost of this is actually going to make our economy a hell of a lot better. Um, so it feels like a no-brainer to me. And that's what it is. We're all so scared to change. We're, we're scared to make more space because we don't know what it'll mean for us. But over and over and over again, it's been proven that doing so makes things better and bigger. And so that's, that's, such, that's mm. my hope for us as people. And it's my hope for us as a society, because we're the microcosm of that macro example. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that on a macro level, we see certain things, but really on a micro, like right now you and I are having a micro conversation of all Mm -hmm. this depth and humanity and connection and understanding. We, we weren't raised in the same place. We don't know each other's entire background, but somehow we're willing to connect and be, and I'm like, this is actually what it's like, guys. I know that like the news mm-hmm. amplifies certain things. I know that certain places, you know, um, mm-hmm. these things are amplified for a reason. And why do you think people benefit from making sure we're apart? Because mm-hmm. no one wants to figure out or no one wants to let us figure out that the truth is we actually all make so much sense together. Nobody yeah. really, I wouldn't say nobody, we know who we're talking about, but there's there's people <laughs> in power who want to make sure that we, yep. we don't get to experience this. And it's something that, I mean, I've never it broke my heart last year because I was so convinced that my role in the world was a change. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Right? You're like, I'm here to change the world and everyone's going to love each other. And then I found out that that was super possibly might not happen. And I was mm-hmm. like, this place might not have room for me then. You're telling mm-hmm. me like we might not live in a place that we all love each other. We're eventually not. We're not mm-hmm. trying to get there. And so it's like, mm-hmm. you hear a story like that and you're like, okay guys, so this is not only an education moment because you also just educated me, but it's a moment where you're like, ah, okay, more aha moments, let's continue. Let's, instead mm-hmm. of the, it's, it's because you said we have this fear of change that they got me to start talking about that because I'm like, why do we have that? Why is this so deep? Mm-hmm. Why was it so ingrained? Why was it given to us at, at birth almost, you know? And it was given to our parents and our parents' parents. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think that that, Look, there's a real human tendency we have to have some sensitivity for. Mm -hmm. Psychologists talk about how we would rather remain in the pain we know than risk the unknown, even if the unknown is pure joy. We have these little lizard brains that are these like relics of early evolution where we're Mm -hmm. like, where's the food? Where do we sleep? What does it mean? How do I get warm? And we're scared and we don't need a lot of the fear that we have had then, but we carry it. It's, it's our, it's our generational and genetic inheritance. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a lot of work to undo those things. Mm-hmm. But if we can understand that, 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 that part of our brains that is hardwired for scarcity mentality, that wants to like white knuckle 
our stuff. And I'm like making air quotes, which I realize people at home can't see. Like, you know, quote unquote, our stuff, my stuff. If we can loosen that grip, we actually can grow the the pot for everyone. For sure, for sure. You know, we, we can make the pie bigger, the table bigger, whatever, you know, analogy you like. And that takes work and it takes a willingness to risk. And I think, especially in this country, it feels very hard to take risk because we don't have a great social safety net. Mm-hmm. In other countries where there is universal health care, where, um, you know, where certain things in terms of health and safety are guaranteed, mm-hmm. people are more comfortable taking risks, right. quitting a job to start a company, you know, starting a family, whatever it might be. Right, right. And the lack of social safety makes it harder for us. Mm-hmm. And so we have to begin leaning into the leadership that creates the progressive policies, like the one I just mentioned, that will create that safety net to let people be more free. Yeah. How would you advise people for those who are overwhelmed with just the nuance, the truth, the depth, the the levels that it Mm. takes to really understand some of the systems. Um, You know, I'm doing my best every day. I'm also, I'm also a lot more excited than I used to be. It used to really just scare me. And even though Mm. I've been a journalist, I went to University of Missouri, studied journalism, did the thing, loved that, but also left because I was like, this is very sad (laughs) all the time. And Mm. it was a lot. And so just kind of, I had to find a place for me to do both. And so whatever you've studied, whatever, wherever you are in your life right now, how would you give people advice on, on just where to start educating themselves, start opening up themselves, mm-hmm. start being willing to see things beyond themselves? Well, I think first, kind of referencing what we were just talking about, loosening our grip on tens of thousands of years of evolution that yeah. is like a li- that's in our brains, like it's one of the Legos in our little brains, that's hard. And I had the same realization you did where I went, oh my God, are we not the ones who are just going to change it all and fix it all? Is it not my generation? And what I've realized is that we have to set the goal for us, but we have to stay on track for our children's children. I, I spoke to Congresswoman Delaro this morning about the child tax credit. She proposed the expansion of it in 2003. It took 18 years to get the CTC expanded to be what it is today. 18 years of work. Progress is not sexy and it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's hard for us, for millennials and everyone after us, because we are used to like refreshing the phone and there's a new thing. And so I think it's really important for us to understand we want a goal set to fix it. But even if we just move the needle a couple of dials toward a better future, and then we pass the torch, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Because we are dealing with the scale of human evolution. I think we need to really speed up that dial in terms of climate because hello, shit is crazy right now. But we have to give ourselves the space to take risk and be bold. And we have to give ourselves the grace to know that change is incremental. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so where I find the ability to hold both the urgency and the patience at the mm-hmm. same time mm-hmm. is by following change makers 
who I respect. It's by researching. It's by not sharing news that came from someone on Facebook. It's by going to the source, turning to NPR, turning to the Washington Post, reading the New York Times, listening to people. I was about to say on both sides of the aisle, but there's a lot of people who are uh, peddling like straight up lies for political gains. So we have to be careful there too. Mm -hmm. But there are incredible leaders who've been in the work like Congresswoman DeLauro, like Elizabeth Warren, like um, Rep. Adam Kinzinger. He's one of my favorite Republicans. He's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he is doing the work and calling out his own party to be better. You know, and then there are incredible journalists, the Lisa Lings of the world. Mm -hmm. um, there are activists like Brittany Packnett out there doing the work. Brittany Packnett Cunningham, actually. My dear is married to my other. Shout out to you. Shout out to, to you, yeah, ma'am and, and Reggie. Yes. But it's funny because we've been friends for so long that I'm so used to saying her name. And I'm like, but now she has three names. So yeah. I, have to, I have to say all three. By the way, the picture oh. you and Reggie did together, so gorgeous. Oh. I literally sent a message. I'm like, seriously? He's like, oh my God, that's so nice. I'm like, this he is, is stunning. He's it beyond. Was he was just yeah. like, I'm coming over early. We went to dinner and I was like, okay. Um, so cute. And we just took some pictures in the backyard. But, you know, there are such incredible, Incredible people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all over doing the work. Yeah. I try really hard to elevate their platforms on my platform. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to start, like you can check out who I follow, check <laughs> out who Brittany follows, check yeah. out, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. look to the helpers and support them and sure. before you know it you'll be a helper mm -hmm. I think that's that's important is everyone has to know there is a doorway right there and you can walk into it and just show up and you will you will learn and you know you got to know what people's motivations are yeah um because that's very revealing I think as well I agree I agree <laughs> what keeps you up at night all of it I got <laughs> I have a lot of sacred rage. I have a lot of it. I was like, what is she about to tell yeah. me? <laughs> Injustice, a lack of equity, gender-based violence, violence yes. and oppression of people of color and in indigenous communities, like all of it. What's happening with our climate right now? Like mm. lightning storms causing heat fires and shellfish cooking to death in the ocean. And people are like, no, we can just keep using oil. I'm like, hello? It's What are we doing? Like Ugh. it makes... It all makes me crazy. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that there is hunger in America. Yeah. Like 50% of American children are hungry every day. And we, we, are, we live in a country where we waste over 40% of our food. Like, what are we doing? I, it, oof, that's one of the, that amongst mm -hmm. so many hard ones, that one makes no sense. We've all been there watching the food mm -hmm. being wasted. We've mm -hmm. been there. So you're, it's, mm -hmm. it's like high levels of confusion. I've, I've, I remember like when I used to be in catering, when we would throw food away, I would be very visceral. My boss was like, you can't react like that every time. Like you can't mm -hmm. do that. And I'm like, but we could just pack it up and go down the street. He's like, there are laws. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what laws? And I, I just didn't understand it. And mm -hmm. I, sometimes I still don't, but yeah, to your point, mm -hmm. all of that, yeah. And I, my hope is that again, we can lean into the best of our spirit. Like we put a man on the moon. We are innovators. Yeah. Right, right, right. Let's innovate. Let's invent some stuff and fix it. 
Like we can do this, but we also need better systems. Like we don't need billionaires in a space race for like ego points. I'm like, no, why don't you just pay taxes so kids can have hot lunch at school? Uh, Let's just do that. mm, You know, mm. and this is why I feel like a broken record sometimes, but I'm like, everybody's got to vote. And I think one of the things that we learned the hard way in 2016, and I was so impressed with the way people showed up in 2020 is look, we're all a little obnoxious. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. We want exactly what we want when we want it. Sure. The internet <laughs> makes it worse. Sure. Because you can order whatever you want and you get new content as soon as you pull your thumb down on your phone screen. And... People in 2020 were like, I don't like my options. And we saw 125 million people sit out the election. They almost burned the world down because of it. Yeah. And in 2020, people went, oh, right. I have to show up for the incremental change. Yeah. And what some people said, I don't know, this might, this might not be progressive enough but I'm here for it. Like we got to create a change. You know, I, I was using that joke that was flying around on Instagram. Like you don't get to root for the team that isn't in the finals. You just don't. <laughs> there are two teams in the finals and you got to pick one. <laughs> grow up. Like honestly, just grow up and show up and do the thing. And then, you know, hold, hold their feet to the fire. Make them do the work. Call your elected officials, you know, show up with feedback. Yeah. And it's been so great to see people do that and to watch yeah you know to watch biden be as progressive as he is to watch him show up he's the one who passed the child tax credit after 18 years like Mm. hello Mm -hmm. things are happening and they are changing because we've been loud and i want us to stay loud i want us to stay engaged everybody's gotta vote it is the most important thing we can do and clearly because we all did in the last election the right is trying to take away our right to vote at all and so we've got to stand firm for it now so we don't lose it. Did and you have a lot of conversations with people who were on opposite voting sides with you during this past year? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of conversations with people on opposite sides often. And it's mm. funny because people will always be like, oh, you only talk to, you know, progressive liberals. I'm like, you don't know what I do. Right. Um, I'm like, I spent 10 years living in North Carolina. What are you talking about? Right, right, right. Um, I I feel really lucky to have lived all over this country hmm. and to understand where people come from. Yeah. And to also understand that so many people are really busy with their families and their jobs and they see what they see on the news and they don't have time while they're putting food on the table for their kids to go and fact check a thing. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I'm frightened about the influence of, you know, um, right-wing propaganda media. It's really doing damage. And a lot of people, when they have someone who's willing to sit and talk with them for two hours and kind of unpack those things and not judge them, have really incredible, like revelatory moments. Mm -hmm. And I think there should be a baseline where we just don't lie to people. (laughs) But until there is, I'm game to have those conversations. I'm game to be in those communities. You know, I'm, I'm down for every like small town 
you know, bus tour event, town hall, like I will show up wherever I can, whenever I can, Mm -hmm. because I believe in people. Yeah, of course. What is something for you that is still a work in progress? All of it. I mean, clearly any version of self-care. Um, I'm like, what do I need to send you? What do you, what do you need for me? Like, how can I help? Cause that's, that's real girl. I don't know. I just, again, like I get up and there's a million things to do and I'm working. And by the end of the day, I'm like, oh my God, I haven't even been outside. Like I should yeah. walk, yeah. you know, it's, it's tough. I, I think one of the things I have to work on, I, I really want to say yes to everything. I want to do every call and every event and every zoom and every, I really, I want to always show up and I, I'm working on learning how to show up for myself and for my body, like to schedule time for myself. Um, it's, it's a work in progress, baby steps. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's it's interesting. The body was never, I, I don't know about your experience, but the body was not something that was given to us like it was just as important as the mind right like it was like okay education this that school cool okay that makes sense also kind of surprised you didn't become a lawyer by the way so i'll just say that I there know, my, my, my parents <laughs> are like you might just go to law school i'm like you you, might. I don't you know. oh my god do you see yourself going to law school i don't know I, I i never say never to anything okay yeah i'm like yeah you could totally you could totally do that but um <laughs> Because I'm even, I even wonder what your beat would have been if you continued pursuing journalism. Like what, mm-hmm. have you thought about that? I mean, I think I would have been in DC for sure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. My um, minor was social work. So I, mm-hmm. when I started journalism, that I was always doing um, stories about people who were in prison and they were, um, they should be exonerated or they were there mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, they were just not there um, on their mm-hmm. own merit. And yeah, that was my news director would say like, can you stop going to prisons? Like we don't have the insurance to just like let you go to prisons to like talk to people. I'm like, well, they're not supposed to be there. And like, they're innocent. And I was, so I, I think about how you also would have and are still um, through your podcast and through your work, um, truly using that journalism part of you. That's why I mm-hmm. sent you that message after listening to one of your episodes. I was like, oh my God, no, she loves this. I've listened to enough podcasts it. to know a researcher, a heart, a person whose mind was like, I'm here for the story. I'm here for the person. I thought that was so mm-hmm. beautiful of you. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, whenever law school makes sense for you. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. I love it. I love to hear people's stories. And interestingly, you know, you talking about what you were reporting on, it makes me think of how lucky we are yeah. to have Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative. Mm. I've, I've had the incredible pl- pleasure of visiting prisons here in California, the anti-recidivism coalition, and just to see the work, you know, not only that these organizations are doing, but, but that these folks who are behind bars currently are doing on themselves. Yes. And again, to realize like the harm that comes out of under-resourced communities and how that can be internalized by people. And then they, they can do harm to themselves. Yeah. You know, we, we have all the data, we have all the research what we need is to create better systems yes. um, that uplift rather than harm. And, and my hope for us, uh, you and I, obviously, because we, we are connected on that soul level with this kind of work, mm. but, but us as a society too, is that we can really advocate for those kinds of things to be created mm-hmm. and that we can make the space to allow them to exist. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I don't have you for too much longer, but I would love to also know if you had any advice for learning to own your opinion. I think mm-hmm. it is still seriously some of the best advice I've ever heard, even though, I mean, I heard in the context of a conversation, so it definitely blessed me, but I'd love for other people to hear from you as you have been continuing to develop the skill of owning your opinion. Plus you're mm-hmm. open about your opinion and you're not afraid to be wrong and you're not afraid to say, okay, never mind, new opinion, hey, updated opinion, things like that. I think it can be mm-hmm. tough in a social media space and you know, at work or friendships with family, so many different places it's actually tough to own our opinion. So I'd love your thoughts on that. Mm. Yeah, I think you have to hold your opinion with an open hand. And I think Mm. you have to be willing to self-interrogate and ask, what is this opinion rooted in? Mm. Because there are folks, for example, who fought marriage equality and said, well, my opinion is that those people shouldn't be able to get married. Hate to break it to you, your opinion is wrong. (laughs) It's just flat out wrong. And you can have it in your own home, but your opinion cannot stand in the way of justice and equity for others. Mm. So you have to make sure your opinion is actually rooted in love and in equity. Because if it's not, it's not an opinion, it's a fear that's turning into an oppressive tool. Mm. And we Mm -hmm. always have to check ourselves. Is this rooted in love and equity? Is this the bastardization of a fear so question number one and then if you're rooted in love and equity have you done your research have you done your fact checking yeah talk about what you're feeling talk about what you're discovering be willing to admit that you are learning and so far you believe blank and you're still learning and that gives people the space to send you information yeah um to ask questions to have you challenge them on where they might be a little stuck. Yeah. I think opinions can either be weapons or invitations. And I want my opinions to be very firmly rooted in love and justice, which means there is no room for hatred or attack of anyone. My opinions are an invitation, but they're ferocious because I think people need to be ferociously defended. It's like, it gives me like mama lion energy. I'm like, sure. no, you're not coming in here to mess with these, with these people behind me. Sure. Um, but you, yes, you have to be willing to be fierce, but tender. And that's where the, the open hand comes in. That's where the willingness to learn new information comes in. You know, let information in, let discovery in. I think if, if people, if more people had been willing to do that with the pandemic, we wouldn't have tried to create a scandal about doctors learning new things over the course of the beginning into the first year of the outbreak. We would have gone, oh, thank God, you have more information. Tell us what it is. Mm -hmm. Tell us what we need to know now. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should wear masks with filters. If we can get them, not just cloth masks, great, down. Let me get some. You know, if you can be open while being rooted, then I think you you really have the opportunity to be a student forever. And that's all I've ever wanted to be. I love that. I love that. I love that if we are willing to accept that we're actually here as students on a student visa, that's what we're really on in life to be, right? Yeah. Like that would just 
so much of that fear that we've both talked about would be gone because you wouldn't be so afraid to become and to be and to show up mm-hmm. as XYZ. You would be willing to be a student and we'd be willing to teach each other. So that's mm-hmm. really, really important. Um, I, I, I'm only bringing this up because I heard you and Lovey talking about it and you had a really beautiful understanding of privilege, not only your own, but you really expanded it. And I'd love if you um, could just share that with my audience as well, what privilege meant to you and how it was also something not to be afraid of because you Mm. brought up. Yeah, I think everyone has this very negative connotation of privilege, Mm -hmm. but privilege is not emotional. It just is, it's it's just math. (laughs) And if you can not take it personally, I understand that privilege doesn't mean I got a bunch of extra things that I didn't earn, it means I didn't have as many obstacles in my way to get where I was going. Yeah. You know, yes, it's a privilege to not be, I mean, granted, I am terrified of, of them. I think everybody has like, you know, deep anxiety when, you know, it's like you see a cop car on the freeway and you're like, oh my God, am I speeding? And you're like, I'm not speeding. Why am I scared that I'm speeding? There's, there's that natural reaction. But I also know that my privilege means that I don't have to be afraid of what might happen if I was speeding and I was pulled over for a ticket. And if I can acknowledge that, I can use that to advocate for other people. Mm -hmm. I can say, you deserve the same sense of security of being that I have. Why wouldn't I want that for you? Mm -hmm. You know, privilege can mean you have had the privilege of exposure. I feel that way, you know, having grown up in LA. I had the, ex- the privilege of exposure to incredibly diverse communities, to queer communities, to food from all over the world. Like my privilege of exposure made me so in love with people mm-hmm. and their ways of life and their different faiths and their different practices. Like I love learning about people. And I realize it's because I had the privilege of meeting so many of them growing up. I wasn't taught to be afraid of anyone. Mm-hmm. And... I know that not everyone had that privilege. And so I think if we could just get clear on what that looks like, you know, if if you grew up in a family that was able to put you through college, you have the privilege of not having student loans. Good for you. Can you maybe help us advocate for canceling student loan debt? Because a lot of other people are suffering and they can't invest in our economy or in their own families Mm -hmm. and buy a house or start a business because they're paying off these horrible loans that are super predatory. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think we need to defang this idea of privilege and just get real about the math yeah. and figure out what our privileges have been or what they haven't and how we can use those experiences and understandings to advocate for other people. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I just want to celebrate you in the last few minutes. Um, wow to good Sam. Congratulations. Thanks. So oh, good. So excited. That's gonna be. I'm so happy to see you back on CBS. You did a show, Partners, um, yeah. a few years ago that I, or like a while ago that mm-hmm. I <laughs> I watched with my sister because she was like, "Girl, this is like she's in comedy. We got to watch this." And I was, it was so fun. I was so it sad. Was I was so like, fun. "Wait, we need more." This was you were so fun in that, and it was a really great way to just continue to see your range. So I loved. I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's back on CBS. That's really exciting." So yeah, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, that's I'm really excited. dope. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I I was reading this article Scarlett Johansson was talking about making Black Widow and how they're able to finally make this feminist superhero movie and that 10 years ago they couldn't, you know. 
this girl in the comic book world was really like tokenized as a femme fatale and all this nonsense. <laughs> and I, you know, it bums me out a bit, but I think our show, I think Partners was a little early on CBS. Mm. I mm-hmm. think if it had been on NBC, it probably would have stayed on forever. Right. Um, we were a little early in the evolution of an audience and in our moment. Yeah. And I'm really proud of what we got to do. And realizing that there is such a moment of divine timing that seems to be happening for so many people, mm-hmm. so many stories, so many communities right now. Yeah. It does feel like the timing is is perfectly right for this moment and this show and um, and these conversations we're gonna have. So I'm really excited about it. That's really dope. And Sky's on there too, and I adore her. So I was it's like, just my oh, favorite. yeah, such a vibe. I was like, She's this is love this, love this. And I'm so happy to see, I won't lie. I was a bit surprised to see the Wintry Hill podcast. Cause I was like, mm. wow, that's a lot of history to bring mm-hmm. back up, to continue to talk about, to like mm-hmm. bring us into who, who was raised on Wintry Hill. And I was mm-hmm. pretty, I was surprised and excited. How about, how about you and making the decision to do the podcast? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you surprised yourself? Honestly, once the idea came into conversation, with my team and I, I was like, I gotta, I can't, I can't ideate on this anymore without talking to Hillary because Hillary left first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she had a really terrible experience with our showrunner and mm-hmm. we all did to varying degrees, but hers was particularly shitty. And so I called her and I said, look, I think this is a thing we could do to reclaim our show and to heal this old wound that we all have Mm. that has never healed. It can't heal without us dealing with it. But what if we deal with it in a way where we get to make something out of it? You know, not just us like cooking dinner and drinking wine on (laughs) which we do, but it's not the same, you know? And, And once she was into it, cause I said, look, if you don't like the idea, I'm gonna pretend that it never came up and I'll never speak of it again. Hmm. And she was like, no, dude, I think, I think this is a really good idea. Let's call Joy. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> so, so then I literally like opened the phone, merge, <laughs> dialed Joy. And Joy was like, wait, you guys want to do what? And we're like, okay, just listen. I think it's going to be really great. And with the three of us, we were able to have so many conversations leading up to it. We've, we've been able to voice our deepest fears. We've been able to talk to each other about about just everything that's come up in our minds and hearts as we prepared to start. And it's really given us some power back. That's awesome. And it's just fun. Yeah. Like we can't stop laughing. And and we're we have these cringe moments of like, oh my God, I forgot that they made us <laughs> do that or I had to say that. And it's like, it's just, it's been great. And, yeah. I, and I don't think any of us really knew what a large piece of our hearts was still kind of murky from that. Mm. And now it's like, we're cleaning it out. We're owning it. We're making a thing that's ours. Mm -hmm. You know, we're equal partners. We're executive producers. It's, this is ours. And we had not an ounce of control then. And we have all the control now. And it feels amazing. That's super, girl. You better, uh, you better, nice. girl. I felt I'm like, all oh, of look, that. We're making something. 
Hi. I felt that. That was yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's really empowering and really inspiring. And that's a beautiful lesson of taking your power back, right? And like whatever mm-hmm. way that shows up, that's really amazing. Um, and I know, oh, go ahead. And I think to the conversation we had earlier, mm-hmm. it doesn't always happen on the timeline you think it will. This took a long time, but this is the time and it's delicious. Patience, y'all. It's all good. Patience. Patience. Mm. Like ferocity and patience, both and. So good. So good. Okay. You have two entrepreneurial um, endeavors that I also want to shout out. Co-founder of Fashion Kind. So cute. But that's why I was like, is that shirt from Fashion? Y'all can't see her shirt, but wow. I was like, is that Fashion Kind? Because that's cute. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, Co-founder of Fashion Kind, co-founder of I Am a Voter, which is yes, a yes, organization yes. if we want to talk about that. Detroit. But, yes. Yeah, Fashion Kind is so much fun because look, again, we all wear clothes mm-hmm. and they're, they're a way to express identity and, mm-hmm. and to feel good about ourselves and all of these things. And fashion is also responsible for 8% of global greenhouse emissions on the whole planet. It's horrible. Crazy. So how do we figure out a way to make it less horrible and to encourage different um, consumer habits that then encourage brands to behave differently. And, and for it still to be accessible. Mm-hmm. That's the, mm-hmm. the, the tricky nuance I've found with fashion. It's so, yeah, but go yeah. Ahead. I'm sure you found a lot in your research it as well. Is, it is hard. And you know, I think one of the things that's interesting is what we have come to think of as accessible mm-hmm. um, actually just means someone is suffering on the other end. The notion that we can have an $8 t-shirt means a child is working in a sweatshop, period. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we have to begin to understand what living wages mean. We yes. have to learn as consumers to have less but better. And you know, we also had to get very real, again, looking at the data, because math is not personal. Because I'm like, well, everything has to be, um, you know, like norm core brand pricing, right? Like it should, it should be accessible not suffering accessible obviously but like accessible yeah and all the studies that we looked at and all the data and all the research around the world we were like oh if we can if we can shift luxury spending we can take it all the way down we can like shift the top that's how you shift high street and i was like i was like i don't like that math I get it, but yeah. do you want to change it or do sure. you want to be emotional about it? And I was like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there there are things that are more accessible on the site and there are things that are um, certainly more investment pieces. But what we see is that the more attention that is paid to the work of artisans around the world to uh, ethically made clothing, to clothing that supports communities, rather than harming communities, people take notice and people start changing what they're doing. And that mm-hmm. feels really, really exciting That's to awesome. us. And it's a space I'm constantly learning in. I'm by no means an expert, but I've just been nerding out with her since 2017 doing all this work. And she was like, you're not like an advisor to this company. You're a co-founder. And I'm like, yeah. that feels weird for me. And she was like, you have a really hard time accepting compliments or accepting what you're worth. And you're just, this is happening. How bomb you are. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And really, yeah, I think um, the word accessible can be 
I've, oh, it can be heard in so many different avenues, right? Mm -hmm. And so even when I say, I'm thinking of the families that I'm like, okay, I want you to always feel like you can, like, I always have, you know, shopping parties with my clothes. Cause I'm always like, okay, wait, how can I make sure that like other young women who are like, oh, I want to do media. I want to do this. I'm like, I have clothes that I'm not wearing anymore. Let's do a party. Let's do this. And yep. like talk to my friends about these kind of things and just making things that we love that are gorgeous, that are pieces that we mm-hmm. are excited about also be accessible. So I also yes. loved hearing just kind of your way of doing that same thing. And I think it's really yeah. important. Yeah. I do a lot of that. I do every couple of months. I have a girlfriend who helps me and we do sales from my closet. Oh, cute. And it's such a fun way for fans yes. to, you know, grab their favorite thing that they saw on Instagram. And yeah. also for me to say, this is a piece that's in really good condition that I have loved. I've I've worn it enough. Mm-hmm, and for mm-hmm. someone else, it'll be new. And what it means is that they don't have to go out and buy something new. It means yeah. that we can keep things in circulation longer. So I love a shopping party. Yes. Because all it does is allow stuff to move around yeah. and then stay in use. Yeah. And it's such a great way to reduce environmental impact also. I love that. I love that. Oh, Sophia Bush, everyone. Thank you so much for taking up space with me. I know yeah. taking up space is something that you have done so beautifully, my dear. And I want to stand, stand you in that because it is something that is so powerful. I tweeted in 2016, um, I can't wait to do an event with Sophia Bush and Jesse Williams with charity work. And I found mm. that tweet today and I was like, oh my God, that's so great. And then two, um, a month later I said, okay, I've been talking about them for two years. It's time to do social justice work. We're going to all work for the Innocence Project. I don't know, girl. I was just going to, I was like, I, I know they're going to do something with me. Oh my God, I'm, obs- uh, I'm obsessed with the Innocence Project. So I remember just loving how much you had been you for so long while I was in journalism school. I was like, mm. she's not like a celebrity. She's like a person. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. And then like five years later, I'm like, y'all, she's a person. And everyone who knows me knows how much I appreciate you beyond your your work that we see it's the it's the stuff that we don't see that you can tell because it's where your heart posture Mm -hmm. is right it's how you show up and I'm like "Mm, I appreciate humans like that so thank you so much for sharing space with me today thank you you're welcome and I don't know what you need from me in terms of self-care but I'm I got you in my pocket my heart for that because I'm like it's real I know that that you know you have a busy schedule I understand that but I definitely want you to always know that you can we need you Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and for watching. Stay part of the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Human to Human podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, and while you're at it, share this with someone you love or just someone you like as long as you share it. Stay connected between episodes at humanyhumanseries.com where I'll be answering this episode's reflection question. You can also stay connected to our community on Instagram at human to human with Stacey Ike or with me at one take Stace. Not one like the number one, one like the only one. I'm your host, Stacey Ike. And remember, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So let's be curious. Let's be in community and let's stay connected. This episode was produced by Stacey Ike, Tracy Lincoln, audio engineer Jarrell Jones, and special thanks to our guests and the entire team at Stacey Ike Inc. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.